Hello. If you are into conversations that are habitually disruptive, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian, the speakeasy edition. Hey, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. You are an author, you're a coach, you're a speaker, and we are going to talk about something that's a little bit, like it can be a little controversial, it can be a little bit touchy, but I, first of all, I think this conversation needs to be had because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are confused. I think controversy tends to lend itself to like some confusion and some like muddled information. And so we wanted to just kind of like lay it out for people. We're going to talk about the Enneagram and we're going to talk about should Christians use the Enneagram. But before we get into that, give us a little bit of like your backstory, your experience with the Enneagram, how you started coaching and everything. Yeah, well, I actually grew up in a pastor's home. Sadly, some pain and dysfunction, not many of us without that. But, and then I went into the ministry myself and for years did discipleship and ministry work, got married, had kids, continued kind of doing the same thing in a different capacity. And I was doing a lot of discipleship, especially with young moms, even though I was in that same chapter of life and finding that. A lot of moms just got frustrated, not only would they compare themselves and go, mm-hmm. okay, why does she seem to have it all together? Why isn't this hard for her? And, you know, on the flip side, this seems really easy for me, but, you know, why isn't it easy for them? And it really came back to personality types and all of that. And now I've always been a personality nerd, the typology thing, Same. so much fun, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> it was Gary Smalley way back in the 90s, yes. the animal, right? Oh my yeah. gosh, yes. 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 You know Same. what I'm talking about. Yep. And then I did a college internship that did the disc and I was really into that and part of a church that, you know, we're always going back and forth. Are you a D-I-I-D-S-C? Yeah. You know, all of those things. And so on and so forth. And of course, you know, you have the basic what kind of cheese you are. Now that's a whole different level. (laughs) The Myers-Briggs is also awesome. I just found it a little bit more complicated. I can never remember the right order of the letters. And it just, it gets a little gibberish. Now, when I read it, it makes a ton of sense is really good. But I, I wasn't able to embrace it as a tool that I used in communication with other people, like some of the other simple ones. But basically, when the Enneagram came into my life, I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. holy cow, what is this? I didn't know how to pronounce it or spell it at first. But as I heard people talk about, I thought, ooh, of course I like this personality nerd, but it feels like this might have something else that the other typologies don't have. And we'll probably talk more about this later, but ultimately I felt like, oh, this tells me why I do Mm -hmm. what I do. It doesn't tell me just what I do. Exactly. That was really, really different. So I began to use it because as an enthusiast, I love to just take in all the information and then I got to share it with the world if I'm excited about it. So I did just that, ended up getting official training and certification and incorporating in my online podcast I already had going and the coaching uh, courses that I was developing and started doing a lot of one-on-one work. And that has blossomed into where now I even coach and help certify coaches in the wholehearted process that does incorporate the Enneagram and other tools and resources that I've acquired over the years, spiritual direction and things like that. But I feel so, so grateful to get to do what I do. I know you feel the same and how fun that I get to use the Enneagram with it. Right. 
I think it's fun. We'll see if our friends think it's fun too. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I'm just, I think I'm just asking people to come to the conversation a little, like, let's just be open-minded. Yes. Okay. Like, and also the big sticking point for me has been, and and this is controversial in its own right. Like, I just don't think we're all convicted the same. Yes. I don't think we're all convicted the same about everything. And is that okay? Like, are you okay with it if if I am okay with you being deeply convicted about not using the Enneagram, I wholeheartedly support that. Yes. There are things that I have to stay away from that are perfectly fine for other people. I don't drink caffeine. I don't drink alcohol. Like not a drop because it is not good for me. Yeah. That does not mean inherently that it's not good for someone else. Brilliant point because that is one of the key things I've come back to and even wrote in my book. Because there's someone who is very outspoken and has been outspoken for a while. And she had a career in tarot card reading, astrology. She wasn't a believer. And when she became a believer, she was very convicted about those things. And becoming a Christian and being in Christian circles that use the Enneagram, it felt very offensive to her. Mm. And I finally started likening it to the child of an alcoholic or an alcoholic themselves. If they are getting free from that or they're avoiding that, you don't go into a bar. Right. You don't regularly socialize with any sort of alcohol because it is a stumbling block. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is not only come in with an opportunity to like have a conversation, right? If we could just have more conversation instead of these like one-off crazy, just throw some more, you know, gas on the fire, explosive words. Then come in with this into this as a conversation to understand, to learn, and then also just go right off the gate. You know, I know it's just not worth it for me. It's like stepping in a bar. It's not worth it. And that's okay. Right. And that's fine. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love that likening of when you are getting out of something that is detrimental, that is like ne- a negative impact in your life, then yeah, like yeah. I understand having to go all in and you got to get it out of your house out of your orbit. That's right. I totally understand that. I think that the prop where the problem comes in is when it becomes an accusation. 100%. When it becomes a, this is a problem for me. So it's a problem for all of you. And you're all sinning if you're not doing exactly what I'm doing. Yes. And I think that's the rub there is that some of the accusation, again, it's, it's done as an accusation and as a blanket statement instead of, is there a nuance here? Is mm-hmm. there an element of, are we dividing everything into sacred and secular? And I love having that conversation about common grace. And if it's all from God to begin with, mm-hmm. who are we to divide it? Obviously, the world corrupts things. Right. The world has twisted things again and again and again. But I even, I love this one quote that I I wrote out from C.S. Lewis in particular, and he says, Christian theology can fit in science, art, morality, and the sub-Christian religions. And I think not only was he a really smart man, but he loved Jesus. And it's kind of to that point, and we can absolutely expand on that, is that can it help you know God better? Help, mm-hmm. Can it help you know God's creation better? And in turn, that you glorify him? Absolutely, all of those things can. So we've actually been having this conversation for a long time about what we should and shouldn't use as Christians. Enneagram just happens to be the newest hot topic because it looks a little weird. 
It sounds a little funny. Some people have hijacked it and used it for things that aren't glorifying God, Mm -hmm. but have you really investigated it? Or are you just listening to sound bites from someone who, for whatever reason, feels angry about it and would rather sit in accusation than in conversation? Well, and your point of we've been doing this as Christians, we've been doing this as Christians since the beginning of time. Like we have always done this. New Testament, Old Testament, pre-Jesus, and post-Jesus. I'm currently reading through, like I started in Acts and I just am like studying the first church, the early church. They did this constantly. Yes. (laughs) Constantly were like, is that okay? I don't know. And like, this may just be my perception, but the takeaway for me has been largely where they landed was like, you do you, I'm gonna do me. Like, honestly, (laughs) like not, not in those terms. And I don't think that that's necessarily scriptural because it also talks about like not causing your brother to stumble and like that responsibility. But I want to get into what the reasons are that people are uncomfortable with it or that it is controversial. I've seen it kind of fall into two camps. They're either concerned because it has allegedly has roots in the occult and like it's it's dark, it's witchcraft, or like that because people use it as an excuse for bad behavior. Ugh, yeah. So let's talk about like the quote, like the dark roots. The graph of it can look a little, a little, little occulty for sure. Yeah, it looks a little pentagrammy. It, it's got a pentagram <laughs> vibe going on. Do you believe it has occult roots? And if you do, like what makes it okay for us to use it? That's a great question. And I would cut to the chase and say, no, I don't think it has occult roots. But as again, all information, and we could go back through the history and all of that. So I'm going to give a little snippet of the history because it's really helpful. Yeah. I think the, and if we kind of start here and we'll go backwards, the most recent allegation, someone who I actually have a lot of respect for, and she's come out and said, it's demonic. Mm-hmm. She has said it's demonic because of a video that has been circulating who had in an interview talked about that he wrote the information through automatic Automatic writing. writing. Mm -hmm. So the term itself, when I first heard automatic writing, I was like, what? What's that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Did a little research. Ooh, that's a little weird. That's creepy. It has some um, Sufism roots and all of that would be tied to cultish, uh, satanic, Woo, thanks. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal. When we begin to explore what he said in the context of how he said it, and then the context of his life and his belief system, he was actually referring to just writing in a flowing way, just as you and I have written books, right? Right. We're actually partnering with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes there is a flow of writing based on all the information that we have acquired over time. Yeah, let me just say that there are chunks of my book that I'm like, did I write that? Yes. Like, did was that me? That's really good. I don't remember <laughs> writing that. Yes. Uh, just affirming that, like, this is a very real thing. <laughs> it is. It is for any writers out there. And for those of you who don't, maybe, but I- I'm telling you, there are absolutely things that I'm like, I am not smart enough. <laughs> I am not fluent enough. I am not gifted enough to that to have come from me because it's preaching to myself right now. And so I think it's in partner and overflow of the Lord in my life. Now, is it sacred text and fits in the Bible? No, clearly the word of God says we do not add to it. 
Again, he himself, his belief system is not tied to new age or cultist uh, roots and all of those sort of things. And also he never said anything like that, that would cause us to think that he had a lifestyle or pattern of behavior that relied on the automatic writing rhythm, however Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Instead, if you trace his roots, he actually studied under Jesuits priests who had partnered with Oscar Echazo in Chile. So it actually comes from, as we can trace it back to there. And now Oscar Echazo was the first one to really put a lot of the pieces that we Mm -hmm. now know modern today, the vices, the virtues, the holy ideas. Now his launching path was also a collection of different works that people had done, some sacred, some secular. Mm -hmm. And in his belief system and his origins, he combined all of that. And his psychological study actually is where he formulated the different elements of the Enneagram. And from there, he had many students, but he specifically, really one of his primary like focuses was imparting this knowledge to Claudio Naranjo who actually, they ended up having a falling out in, I think it was the 60s, because Claudio ended up going to Southern California, I think to Berkeley, and passing on this sacred knowledge. Now, before that, and I say sacred as like dramatic, yeah, to Oscar Echazo, to the Jesuit priests, it was all something to be used in spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be not a secret society, but it was meant to be used in a one-on-one way. Like intimate intimate, knowing the teacher was never to tell the student what type they were. It was Mm -hmm. the teacher, the guide was supposed to help the student process their story, their narrative, the lens they were looking through and understand these processes. So when Claudio Naranjo came to the U.S., began to spread it. And from there, we have like 10 or 15 authors that started out, you know, sharing information, the 70s, 80s, 90s, writing the book when it was first having its wind, if you will, mm-hmm. in its its moment. That's where a lot of it comes from. And before that, we have information that predates, there was a, I think he was German. Now I'm like pulling information off the top of my head, but he did like the, the shape and the style of it. Yeah. But he actually didn't do any teaching associated with it. He actually had some really weird techniques that were, any psychologist would be horrified over, <laughs> but there is some attribute to him developing the shape and the style of it. So there's that piece. Uh, I'm going to totally botch his name, but he is a well-known priest who came up with the holy ideas Mm -hmm. and the seven deadly sins. Yes. I know exactly. I can like see it, but I'm not even going to try to uh, pronounce it because I'm going to butcher it. Or something like that. I'm totally botching it. Forgive me. But anyway, so that was kind of a foundation of what we now know the nine different vices based on the nine different personality types. And, and we can continue to go back through history where there is nod to typologies and different personality types, even like Shakespearean plays and writings of ancient fathers, nodding to the different emotional struggles that we mm-hmm. utilize when we talk about Enneagram. So there's all these different pieces. And so just like psychology, like any sort of science that we have available, invention and knowledge. It has just been slowly over time built upon. Mm-hmm. So the roots itself, well, I mean, we could go back to Adam and Eve, but there's a lot of blurry lines in between. 
what I really love to guide people in is to say, okay, even what was developed through Oscar Echazo and Claudio Naranjo, what we have is so wildly different and creative and has unique spin and take. And where I end up getting my training and where I take in knowledge and the resources are ones who are approaching it from a biblical worldview mm-hmm. and who are teaching it with the idea that we point to our creator God. Mm-hmm. And in that process, by pointing to our creator God, we're drawing closer to him. Now, I can learn the Enneagram from other sources who don't have that worldview. And I'm going to have a very different experience. And at the end of the day, then is that maybe the better question? Is that what we should be asking as we engage in anything, exactly. not just the Enneagram, but anything. What is their biblical worldview? And to go in there, not to just like, well, I'm not going to listen to them. We still need to be listening to other worldviews so we can understand. But how am I going to be digesting this and taking it as truth as it aligns with the, the word of God? And as I get to have the invitation as a beloved child of God. Wanted to take a second and make sure you knew that my flagship course for content creation and social media growth and management is going to open for registration on March 28th. This is a six-part course that is not just for content creators. It is for anyone who wants to leverage the power of social media and free marketing for their business, their ministry, their personal voice. And it goes through everything you could possibly need to know about showing up well on social media, being true to yourself, keeping God as the focal point, and being successful, monetizing, and growing. You can find out more about Run Your Race by going to thegirlnamedblake.com slash course. Join the waitlist. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. Well, and I think you touched on something really important, and that is the ability to listen to other worldviews. We're not great at that. Like, it's not no. not a real strong mm-hmm. suit of the church. It's not a strong suit of, like, our generation. Yeah. And I think it's fear-based. We think that if we don't mm-hmm. fully understand it and align with it and agree with it, then it is other. Then it is wrong and bad. And I think that is so obvious in our interactions and in how people treat one another, because it's the second you disagree, you're done. Like we can agree, we can agree about everything politically. We can agree about almost everything theologically. But I mean, in the most real sense, there are people who I align with politically and theologically, but we disagree about the Enneagram. So they like hate my guts. That's insane. Like why are Mm -hmm. we acting this way? And it's like, have we let this become a tool of division where really people are just using it, like you said, to better understand themselves, understand who they were, like how they were created and better understand other people and those relationships? Because I, I knew a lot of what you were saying about like its roots. I have a lot of respect for other creators in this space, but I also think, and, and this is going to be like a strong stance, but I don't think you can study something for three to seven days and be an expert and come out and, and tell people that something is demonic. I thought that that was, I did not agree with that. I thought that that was a really damaging and firestorm take for her because it was like, she didn't come to the table with a ton of evidence, with a ton of backup. 
And I don't like to spend my time like talking about other creators, but I mean, mm-hmm. people were blowing up my DMs that week. And I was just like, I, like, I don't, yeah. I'm in a different headspace. Like, I don't want to take this on right now. And I've shared this publicly multiple times. Like God used the Enneagram to make massive impacts in my life yeah. pers- on a personal level. The first time I read The Road Back to You and read the type eight, I wept. Because I had never had my experience reflected back to me in something that way. Wow. And then gaining more knowledge, like it radically impacted my marriage and gave me the ability to understand. I am an Enneagram 8 married to an Enneagram 1. We could not be more different. We could not be motivated more differently. We couldn't see the world more differently. And we butted heads on that a ton. And like just on the most basic level, getting to read something that was like, this has been his experience. So this is how he sees the world. I remember just being like, oh my gosh, he makes total sense now. And like, I didn't understand him at all. And I think that these really strong stances that people take, it like undermines other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, is that really what we want to do? Because the reality is, is that anything could be damaging. And Anybody can use anything as an excuse for bad behavior, not just the Enneagram. Like there are plenty of things that people do that with. Do we get rid of all of them? Do we throw all of them out? Do we call them all demonic? No. And to your point, and this even relates to the history, is that for a long time, Christians really had an issue with psychology and counseling, right? Right. But, and let me tell you, I have unfortunately seen the negative impact of an unhealthy Christian counselor. Right. But I've also wildly benefited from an amazing Christian counselor whose training was rooted in therapy and psychology and all the different layers and the pieces there. So it was a shame because I felt like, um, as you said, it could have been, there could have been some more study or could have been like, Hey, I have some questions. Could we have a conversation about it? Or I'm exploring this and wondering it, and I, I might end up shelving it because it concerns me and it might be something that interferes with my faith and my study right now on the word of God that she is applying herself to, right? Yes. So so all of that could, be, could have been done, and I just think that is the invitation for us as Christians, again, where we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and some of our personalities tend to do that more than others, but mm-hmm. to just be like, Hmm, okay, how does this apply to me right now? And just because it's not for me, unless it's directly outlined in the word of God that this is not in line with his heart for me, then it's probably okay to to shelve it or take it on. Yeah. Well, and speaking on like bad behavior and people who are like, oh, like I'll just use a personal example. I'm an Enneagram eight and I'm a bulldozer. So I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. And like, you don't have to deal. (laughs) That is not an okay stance. Even if you take the Enneagram out of it, yeah. like you take the Enneagram out eight part out of it and you say, I'm a confident, bold woman. And I'm going to say what I want to say. Still incredibly problematic. And people make those excuses with or without the Enneagram. And I, I can't remember who says it. You may remember, but there's, The quote that like the Enneagram doesn't put you in a box. It helps you get out of the box. Yes. Yes. Like that has so been my experience of, yeah, you can use it as like a, sorry, this is just the way I am. Or you can see it as these are going to be some proclivities for me. How do I put those at the altar? How do I say like, 
not my will, but yours. I, this doesn't look like you. Mm -hmm. How do I rid myself of that? And I know this goes back to what we said at the beginning. Not everybody maybe needs those tools. Like you may be capable of seeing those things in yourself and laying them down and putting them aside. And then some of us maybe just need a little extra help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably most of us. To your point, there's a few ideas for thought. And a friend of mine, Pastor Tyler Zach, he uses the phrase sniper sanctification, that the Enneagram helps us get laser focused on what is our focus, what has our focus of attention, what are our coping mechanisms, what is our default reaction instead of responses. So all of those things are really helpful. And to the point of it not um, use, being used as an excuse, because it's definitely not, should never be used as an excuse for poor behavior. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it shouldn't be used as a sword or as a shield, right? We're not weaponizing the Enneagram. Amen. I like the phrase, and I've I kind of coined it at a friend say, you need to get that on a coffee cup. But the Enneagram shines the light or amplifies the light, but it's Christ who brings freedom. Mm. Again, that comes from my biblical worldview that we can have the insight and the tool and the knowledge. And then Christ is the one who brings about the sanctifications. We're already redeemed and justified in Christ, but the sanctification process is ongoing until we're face to face with him. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like here on earth to be a little bit more aware of where we're reacting instead of responding, what our vices are, our pitfalls, our stumbling blocks. And then on the flip side as well, what is great about an eight? I guarantee you most personalities could not do what you're doing, but the Lord has uniquely gifted you and wired you in a way that you're willing to take on the challenge. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it lights you up and it fires you up and you feel like, I know I am doing what I was created to do. How amazing is that to go back and attribute the creator who put that inside of you to begin with, instead of exactly. like, I know I'm all that and, you know, get all sassy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, and that's, this has been a large source of criticism, like from other Christians for me, is that like, I use the Enneagram that I talk about the Enneagram and the snarkier take is like that the Enneagram is just astrology for Christians. Yeah, right. <laughs> what are your what are your thoughts on that? I love talking about this. I definitely wrote about it in my book. And so I'm going to give you like some textbook definition here to give the differences. Because to be honest, I remember as a kid, again, grew up in a pastor's home. My mom would talk about she used to use astrology when she was in high school, didn't know anything like differently. It was just what you did. And it was like the fun Southern California thing to do. And then she was really convicted about it. And all I knew is that my mom was, who's a one, was really mm. convicted about it. I shouldn't touch it at all. So I never like really explored it. I didn't have an interest, ironically, considering my personality nerding out that yeah. I did for most of my life. But so astrology really focuses on the day of your birth, how your life is fixed forever, according to the alignment of the stars. And depending on when you were born, the position of the planets, the sun, the move, the stars, and how it affects your mood, your personality, and your environment. So astrology is focusing uh, or has created a chart even that predicts like who you need to marry, the job mm -hmm. you should get, and it tells you what will happen as if your future is already determined. Okay. So therefore, choices don't matter. 
Hmm. Uh, in the word of God, it talks about free will. So the theology is, uh, of ast- um, astrology is like you look to a set of coordinates to tell you what should influence you and the path you should go on and what you should should choose. So like your zodiac sign is like a predetermination based on all these outside influences. Yeah. That seems kind of wild to me when I look at it that way, that takes a lot of faith. And again, that takes away that element of how our creator is engaged in our life on a, in a minutia way and on Mm -hmm. a day-to-day basis and also our free will. So the Enneagram, and we kind of talked about that is that basically your life can stink or it can be better. And the Enneagram helps you determine where you're at. It also shows you it's not fixed forever. Yes, your yeah. personality lens is going to say the same, but it helps you understand why you do you, the childhood perspective, the default behavior pattern, but it doesn't predict your future. And it doesn't tell you what you have to, like what you should be doing and who you should marry and all those different things. It's just basically highlighting behavior patterns, right? because of your inner motivation or your focus of attention. So it does point out fallen nature and our carnal weaknesses, but it also, again, kind of summarizing, it also points you to a a different way. Mm -hmm. How can you change your focus of attention? How can you engage? I really, I incorporate a lot of different therapy and spiritual practices where we begin to allow the Holy Spirit, right? The fruit of the Holy Spirit to change us so we can be this beautiful version of how God um, wired us. So at the end, it leads us to a place of humility, reminding us that we can't do it all on our own, whereas astrology Mm -hmm. would be about your own course correction and the chances of everything lining up accordingly. Right. I love You're so nice. And I love that about you because my response is always like, if you think astrology is just, is the same as the Enneagram, you don't know anything about either. (laughs) <laughs> is my I'm like, you don't know anything about the Enneagram or about astrology, if that's really what you think. And you're like, so kind. And you're like, well, let's go through this, <laughs> which that's why people like it takes all kinds of kinds, because sometimes that's you need right. somebody to be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, like and then you need somebody to like land the plane softly and be like, well, let's look at it this way. Because when people like when I, I remember first explaining the Enneagram to some people, And then being like, I don't want to be like in this little box. I don't want to just be a type. Yes. And I'm like, okay. And I know you have a much greater understanding of the Enneagram than I do. But okay, you have a type. The type is winged by two other types. That type intersects with two other types in your health and in your growth. Mm -hmm. Growth and and weakness. And then there's levels of health that you, you move along. It is such a massive spectrum. And it is very a very complex system. Like I've studied the Enneagram for probably six or seven years now. And I still, I can't like off of the top of my head tell you, oh yeah, your line goes to, you go this way when you're healthy. Like I have to pull up the chart when we're taught, when I'm talking about it with people. And so I really do believe, and I don't mean this in a condescending way, but I really do believe that sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of understanding yeah that you've been told that like this thing looks like the pentagram it it has occultic roots and it tells people that they just are the way they are and so they're like christians shouldn't use it mm-hmm. and then there's those of us who have studied it who have seen immense amounts of benefit it is like for me and i know i said this earlier 
it was this massive shift for me of like, oh, wait, if somebody else could write this, then that means there's other people like that out there. That means that God didn't make me on accident. Like there's more of us. You know what I mean? And so I don't, I genuinely don't understand why people are so angry and aggressive about it when, especially when, I don't know about you, I don't know anybody that is using the Enneagram on a public level that's like, if you don't use the Enneagram, you're not a Christian. If you don't use, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like you don't have the same energy coming from the other side. We're just over here like, hey, it's been really beneficial for me and I love it. And like, if it's not for you, that's cool. And then it's like the other side of the conversation is like, that's demonic. And I'm like, how did we get here? Like, how did we get to this point? And so if it is a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge, where do you, obviously like you have a ton of content, you have a ton of things that offer, that are offers for people to like better understand. Where would you tell people to start? Like, what if somebody's listening and they're like, I didn't even know that Christians got mad about the Enneagram because I didn't really know what it was. Like, where do I start? <laughs> what, like, where do you tell people to do? Well, what I love is they're starting with this podcast. This is a fabulous place to begin because to your point, I think you summed up the common, honestly, could we call it a first world pain point right now? Mm -hmm. I don't think with those who are looking to survive, they're really worried about the Enneagram being beneficial or not. All right. So let's call it what it is. It's a first world problem that we have right now where we're not taking time to learn, to research, to investigate, to be curious, right? We just, if we led with curiosity in life, we would all be better off and we wouldn't be having these silly, honestly, sometimes a waste of time arguments on all fronts, right? Not just the Enneagram. So if we could just come at a place of curiosity and then there's like a million different resources, right? So I do have a podcast. I've been actually had a podcast for six years, which I can't believe. That's awesome. And I talk about Enneagram throughout it. I obviously talk about it from a Christian perspective. Another person that I want to point to, obviously I have a book on Amazon, Should Christians Use the Enneagram? It's a great resource. You can even get it for free, Kindle version, if you have Kindle Unlimited. But my friend, Pastor Tyler Zach, who I actually referenced before, he has a free 3000 word article on it where you can read and outline some of this idea, even referencing common grace and giving perspective of how even some of the things in the word of God or the things that we know based on our experience, maybe in the church before. I think it's a it's a wonderful piece of conversation. And then I would just begin to even type out Christian Enneagram yeah. and begin to explore what people have to offer in that way. I've created every single resource with the flavor of Jesus first. Mm-hmm. And then how does the Enneagram help us receive the gospel in a way that is more palatable? Because we all have experiences and longings and desires and not that the word of God changes, but it's going to impact us in a different way. Just as a scripture that you read two years ago that you glossed over that today has such significant meaning. Yes. The Enneagram can help bring some understanding of, oh, I need to know that I am satisfied in Christ Mm -hmm. and he will quench every single desire and longing for adventure. And he fulfills all of that, right? Just as you want to know him as protector and defender and justice keeper and justice maker, right? Like all of those things that, wow, that glorifies God at the end and draws me closer to him. So yeah, there's lots of different resources. Obviously, you can find a lot on my website. And I I even created 
because I really believe that the Enneagram should be a conversation instead of the like quick five minute test. Hey, here's your number because. Mm -hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Take a number, put it on it. I want you to read material material. I want you to investigate, Hey, what are these different types and how do those land in me? Because to your point, the nuances of it, the wings, the growth, the subtypes, the tri-types, like it's a lot. Experience is so different. So yeah. Again, you know, like little tidbits, unless you want to like go teach the Enneagram, um, just begin listening to podcasts. <laughs> I completely agree with you on like, I get DMs sometimes from people that are like, what's the best test to take? And I've gotten so that I really kind of won't give them like a link or anything because I, yeah. I actually mistyped as a three in the beginning. Oh, I like can I, totally see that. Yeah. Like I took mm -hmm. the test, came out as a three and was like, okay, I'm a three. And it wasn't very long. I started reading and was like, I don't give a crap what people think about me. So maybe I'm not a three. And then that like led to, oh, and then you read about a date and you're like, this is somebody reading my journals. This is weird. But I definitely suggest like reading, researching, like just kind of like in it. You don't have to go head first. Mm -hmm. Tune into Amy's podcast a couple of times and get a feel for what it's about and and what the different types are. and then. Like, just let it go from there. And again, and I say this all the time, like, it's a tool. Yes. Just like a commentary or a Bible study or any of that stuff. It is a tool that can come alongside your faith and your journey and what you and God are doing together and can just, like, add a little bit of help, add a little bit of clarity. And I think that that's, that is what people who love the Enneagram and also love Jesus view it as and want people to use it as. Absolutely. And like to your personal story, I have done um, a couple of conversations about overlays because I think what I've loved about it as a woman who is in the assertive stance, and again, I'm using Enneagram language yeah. that may not make sense, but right there, there's three personalities in particular who tend to be more aggressive, louder, expressive, go-getters, higher energy. And growing up in the church and working in the church, it was hard to find my place. What Amen. what did that look like? And feeling squashed and yet um, inauthentic if I couldn't be myself. And when you begin to even as a woman, and I think a lot of our friends listening are in this that they can understand, like, okay, yeah, Christian culture, women. What is the what can the enneagram do for me? I think it was just this gift of free to be who God created me to be. And when I began Amen. to examine even the like you said, what was easier maybe at first to put on was the three yeah, and a little bit more difficult to identify with the eight because of the, the nuance of where, like, how does that make you fit? Mm -hmm. There, There's so much liberation that comes from it. And then I am freer to exercise the gifts that God has put in me and has intended me to use instead of trying to make myself fit in somebody's box yes. to that point. It really helps take the lid off and step into really who God created us to be in such a beautiful way that we are better serving the body of Christ and building God's kingdom, which is what we're invited to. Mm, amen. Amy, this is such a great conversation. I hope it was helpful for people. I hope that they yes. were able to kind of maybe hear a little bit of a like, quote unquote, other side. And thank you for everything that you're doing and all the content you're creating. It's so good. Well, right back to you. And thanks for the opportunity to have an actual conversation. <laughs>